that you are here listening to the inaugural episode of the Sunday Morning Quarterbacks podcast is a freaking miracle in and of itself that we could get this group of people together on one call at the same time ready to roll is simply amazing. But here we are ready to go. We've got a uh, all-star cast of your SMQBs ready to break it down. And let's just go right into it. House Toby Milrod, calling on you first, biggest fraud of the NBA, uh, uh, NFL playoffs. Well, I don't know if this is going to come as a surprise to you guys, but the biggest fraud of the NFL playoffs is the team with the worst record, the Washington Blanks. Oh, wow. Oh, what an absolute fraud. Seven and nine. They had a beer can as their quarterback. Okay, he made a gutsy play. You know, my hat's off to him. That was a great play. They are a fraud. Chase Young wanted Tom Brady. Well, guess what? Chase Young had the same number of sacks as my donut hole. They are a fraud. No running back. No wide receiver. Okay, it's a feel-good story. I'm glad Ron Rivera came over his health problems. I'm glad that Alex Smith, incredible Disney movie. They are a fraud. Seven and nine doesn't belong in the playoffs. I think that they should drop any losing team from the playoffs. I think they should fix the NFL playoff format. It was an embarrassment to the league. And I don't know. It's it's entirely possible that I've offended our host so much that I don't even know that if he's still with us on our podcast, but if he is, if he is, I just want to say, I think I made, I think I made him faint. I'll just, I'll just wrap and say, uh, look, someone had to win the division. It's embarrassing that my team, the Philadelphia Eagles couldn't show up this year to win that putrid division, but I don't care what you say. Fine. They scored some points. They were a fraud. They didn't belong in the playoffs. And once they got there, absent a, a fun play by a beer can, they were worthless. Fraud. Well, we don't ever have to go back to that uh, that that commentary again. So moving right along, Pope, I, I'd like to step in here. All right. What what is your suggestion to change the playoffs, Toby? Well. Listen, I think some top of the other six league, teams. Yeah, let's let's have the top six records. Let's have the best teams that played make the playoffs. It's an embarrassment to the NFL that a seven and nine team makes it. You change the whole schedule then? The way scheduling is done? No, I don't think you need to change the schedule. I mean, you know, I, I think you still create rivalries and things like that, but I just I think you should have teams that, you know, just like the college it's supposed to be in college football that you got to have six wins, have a 500 record. Like you at least got to get 500 to get into the playoffs, at least reach mediocrity. 
Was there one team appreciably better who didn't get in? Sure. Who? Well, at the end, no. At the end, what what was the team that was, the Dolphins were better? Oh, the Dolphins are in the other conference. Well, okay, but why have divisions? If you're only going to do the top six, you don't even need divisions anymore. You just need an AFC and an NFC. I'd be okay with that too. Mm. Well, then where then where's the interdivisional fun with the NFC? Normally, the beast of the East, although this year was more of the least. The historical rivals between the Redskins, Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles, you're going to just throw that all away because you want your top six of a conference? I think eventually those matchups end up organically happening again. The rivalries never go away. The history never goes away. But I don't know. You guys got a a worse fraud than a below 500 team? A bigger fraud? That's what the wild card is for. This was was a one-time you know, enigma. It's not going to happen many years where a team that bad wins a division. And think about the Seahawks when they were seven and nine and beat the uh, Saints. Mm-hmm. That was the emergence of the 12th man. Rooster, who's your fraud of the playoffs? Listen, I, th- I don't think – a team that wins a division or gets a wild card spot because of their record is a fraud, period. I don't think you could call a team a fraud for winning their division. To me, the only fraud is the team that didn't make it and never had a chance of making it, but tanked their last game so that the what the fucks could get in in the first place, and that's the Eagles. They're the fraud. Otherwise, the NFC East would have been represented by a much better team, the New York football giants, which was just playing better had beaten the the football team twice this year. I just think if you're going to tank tank the game, you just disrespect wow. the wow. I mean, I mean, I mean that's the uh, fraud. I mean, taking the game, you know, that that's one thing. But can we also talk about a little bit of integrity here amongst the Giants? I mean, I'm watching Twitter blow up during that game, the second half of that game. All these Giants, Saquon, I don't even on your team, there's, there's really nobody that worth knowing, but they're all going nuts about the Eagles tanking, Eagles tanking. Like, maybe win a game or two more, right? Just win a game or two if more. played your team a game or two what? more, we would have. Whoa. First of all, you guys, you guys lost the three point? in a row going into the final game of the year. Why did the what happened there? And Toby, you know better than anybody. The coach got fired, so it wasn't in his best interest to lose. What well, and, it's, and you and you moved up how many spots? Two. Yeah, I mean, never before, a before the final game of the college season, it sounded like Devontae Smith would be the number six pick. And by the way, if you there is a really interesting stat in recent years between who you get at number six versus who you get at number nine, which is who we would have we would have drawn at number nine. It is a gulf between them. Right, and look. Right. There were other teams that were that were throwing, tanking, throwing the game, beginning the last few weeks of the season. Not the least of which the Jags. We didn't ask to be flexed into the Sunday night game. The game got magnified because it was Sunday night, and because it was Sunday night, the NFL brought their own blemish on them. Are you? Are you suggested? Who but told the coach to throw the game? The owner. Game. 
it's not the the Jags don't have big divisional rivalries. No one gives a damn about the Jags. I don't mind I don't the Eagles versus I don't mind the Washington football team. I don't mind throwing a game to get the number one pick. There's a difference. Thank you. I, what? Throwing a game to get the number six pick is not worth it. I mean, I mean it's throwing a game one way or another. It can't be half just throwing a game. The, the Jets absolutely screwed themselves for po- maybe possibly the deck in the next 10 years to what? Win two games? Did they though? Did they though? Yeah, if the knows. Jets if the Jets end up with Deshaun Watson, who statistically was the best quarterback this year. If the Jets end up well, with Deshaun Watson, yeah, in a trade and, you know, they get some picks and whatever. I mean, Look, I don't know who actually – it has not played out in Philadelphia media who made the call. Um, it's not clear whether it's the GM. I doubt it was the owner. It's pretty clear that someone made that call to happen. Uh, I don't think it's the first time it's happened in the NFL. I don't think it's the last time. And I don't – it I doesn't really bother me that – if I, I'm trying to think if I were sitting in the Giants' shoes, I kind of feel like Chris – like the bison says, like if you really have something to complain about, win more games. It just would have been nice to hear one of the Giants players say that, like, you know, to come out and publicly say, listen, we can't complain. We won right. six games this year. Not one of them came out and said that. Worry about your own house. I mean, you, you would have had the prospect of a six and 10 team winning the division. You talk about a fraud. <laughs> That's who would have been going to the playoffs. Really? Six and 10? Who was your fraud, Pope, in the playoffs? Oh, I mean, so many of them, but the Bears, they never should have been in the playoffs. Well, this brings up there was because Kyler Murray got hurt in the final game and they, you know, backed in. Uh, they didn't show up, weren't, you know, weren't expecting anything out of them. Uh, I mean, you could argue the Steelers were a fraud. They were 11 and 0 and they barely got in the playoffs. And they, what, five turnovers against the Browns? I mean, that's a fraud. And the Seahawks, everybody thought the Seahawks were going to be playing against the, the uh, Packers for the NFC Championship middle of the season, and they tanked in the second half as well. Couldn't beat the Rams at home in Seattle. What happened to the Seahawks? The Seahawks what happened to the Seahawks? For years, though, in the playoffs. The, the Seahawks, Seahawks haven't been the same since they, since they the lost the, the, the Super Bowl <laughs> to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Right. That I think the Seahawks are John Lynch. Completely different team sense. without fans. They're a completely That's true. different team. It, and it showed. They, it, it was a big disadvantage this year. Now they still won 12 games or whatever, but in the playoffs, they never should have lost that game. What about what about the Baltimore Ravens? We've been hearing about the Baltimore Ravens are are one of the best teams. They're the hottest team. Lamar this, Lamar that. You know this team's going to win one, and then three points. I mean that alone is is pretty much a lock for being a fraud. You show up and you, and you get three points. Yeah, that was. Oh, I think I think we all underestimated the Bills all year long. No question about it. In fact. You know, I would say that if Mahomes doesn't play or if he's a, got a wounded wing, which it looks like, I got the Bills going to the Super Bowl, guys. 
Oh, yeah. The Bills might be the best team in the NFL. The Bills have the talent. Josh Allen remains underrated. But I'll say this about the Ravens. I really thought the Titans were going to go. I thought Derrick Henry, Tannehill is like, I don't know. He's the second coming of, it's unbelievable his turnaround. They have a good defense. I thought the Ravens win was really, really impressive. I don't like that Lamar really can't throw the ball and he's mostly a running back, but for sure in that game, I didn't think they were fraud. Now I agree with you three points, even against a, a strong bills team is a joke, but you know, when did, when did Lamar go out of that game? How long did they play without him? It's hard to know how that game would have turned out if Lamar was still in it. So does this does this show that you can't be a serious contender if you're relying on one player on offense? Absolutely. Tennessee. Look at Tennessee. Baltimore. Seattle. I mean, these teams rely – their offense goes by how one particular player goes, right? You, you just can't be that way. Well, but, you know, historically, New England relied on Tom Brady. It didn't matter who else they were running in, whether it was Moss or Edelman or whoever. They relied on Tom Brady to get them to the Super Bowl. And once again, the Tampa Bay Bucks, my buddy Milk down in Tampa, they've got a shot against A.A. Ron and the Packers on Sunday. How do you show an eye roll on audio? Because let me tell you something. Come on, who did the Patriots have on offense all those years besides Tom Brady? The Patriots. One year they had Randy Moss. One year. Well, the Patriots had very good defenses too. Can't. It's the system. What's what's the eye roll? I mean, listen, I've got no love for Troy Aikman, but Aikman said at the end of the game there were three turnovers that gifted them very very short field. And like, I don't know, Chris Nace could have thrown those touchdowns. I mean, I, I, I just, it wasn't that big of a deal. It, it, Tom Brady is a great quarterback, but you can't say that he put the Bucks on his shoulder in yesterday's game and beat the vaunted Saints. The Saints threw up that game all over themselves. So are well, you well, saying the Bucks are frauds? No, no, no. The Bucs. You were talking the, about when he was on the Patriots. Though, the Bucs. No receivers and no running backs for many, many years. I think they had pretty good wide receivers. The Bucks defense I mean, played out of their minds last night. They had slot receivers. They had Gronk. Yeah. They didn't have any real, except for Randy Moss one year, they didn't have any real speed on the outside. True, but the Catch slot the receivers ball. are pretty darn, darn unbelievable. Like one or two of them might make the Hall of Fame. I mean, you can keep underestimating Brady, but, you know, he's he's got one for the thumb and he's going to get another for the uh, middle finger. I mean, he's going to have seven Lombardis. Hold on a second. Oh, if we're oh, on oh. the Brady's. Hold on a second. If we're going on the Brady discussion. Tommy. Because I'm pretty sure that going back to the Seattle Seahawks, if they run Marshawn Lynch one or two times, take away one more ring from Brady. No if doubt. Dan, if Dan Quinn even has a fingernail of coaching ability, what was it? 28 to three. You take say that, a, but, but you could also, you can also say if, if the helmet catch, you know, doesn't happen, that adds one yeah. uh, to them. Right. I mean, you know, that's, there's luck in winning these games. I mean, there, there's, there's luck along the way in winning a Super Bowl. You mean lucky Eli Manning with two rings? Yeah. I mean, talk about a fraud. What? Yeah, you talk about a fraud. But one Milk, the, I want to hear. Milk, how, how did the Bucks get there? Here, I'll tell you exactly what has happened. Is 
because we're pretty much almost the same team as last year. What is the difference? I mean, Jameis Winston throws 30 interceptions. Tom, I mean, it's the same wide receivers. It's the same running back. It's the same defense. It's, it's, you can't tell me that Tom Brady came in and has changed the culture and he has taught these guys how to win and they believe in themselves now. Jameis Winston was not a leader. Brady did you was have, a leader. Did you have Leonard Fournette last year? How, did you have Antonio Brown last year? Did you have Rob Gronkowski last year? Because each of them have a playoff touchdown. Don't give me this Brady crap. It's, he's Come on. You didn't have any of those three. He is not the difference. You added a whole bunch of – you have to win with all that talent. 30 picks last year. He's totally the difference. Threw a so beautiful he's touchdown he's yesterday. a little quarterback envy right is that what this is? <laughs> I, think, I think it seems like a it seems like a classic case of quarterback envy. Actually, now that you mention it, <laughs> Ginger so, Jesus has has fallen from grace, and now we hate Tom Brady. <laughs> well, you know, know one that, of these, did you see him playing with Drew Brees' kids? How can you not like this guy? I know. Right? Yeah, pretty soon he'll be oh, playing with his own kids if you can remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> So if we're talking you know, about luck in the playoffs, though, uh, and, and getting through, what about, uh, you know, you see the play in the in the Browns game, the fumble going into the end zone. Talk about momentum changing. Is that I mean, that play that, that changes the playoffs moving forward. Good call, bad call, good rule, bad rule. Look, Hope? that play, if, if they get the touchdown there at 16 to 10 at halftime, and, and Mahomes is already, you know, got a bad foot with a concussion. I give, I give the Browns a very good chance to come out of Kansas city and advance. I really do. And yeah. what a penalty a that is. Call, bad call, rule. It was a non-targeting call. And I, you know, let's talk about that. That should be reviewable. It happens in an instant like that. But once, once you take a look at that, it doesn't take two seconds to realize you use a crown on the helmet to hit the side of his helmet and snap his neck. And that's why he dropped the football. Yeah. But not only dropped the football, he inopportunely dropped the football and it rolled through the end zone and out of the end zone for a touchback. And, and Kansas city was rewarded by an illegal hit with the ball. Right. That was a joke. Before we get to the illegal hit, is there anybody here who thinks that the touchback rule is a bad rule because I'm okay with it, but I get the sense that not everybody is. I've got I don't no like it. With that I don't rule. like it. If they're going to get the rule. ball, they should get it on the on the one. No, but then you'd have. You, why do they get the benefit of the ball and the gain of twenty yards? You you would have got you you would have guys like coming down on the five yard line throwing the ball in the end zone. Like you you have to have this rule. Yes, I mean I, I've heard a lot of a lot of people griping about the rule, and I don't think the rule is that bad. I mean, I guess though, if you compare it to a guy who's running with the ball on the twenty and gets tackled, and the ball goes out on the fifteen, goes out of bounds on the fifteen, they get the ball back. The team that had possession gets it right. back on the fifteen, right? I mean, so right. so when you compare the rule to anywhere else on the field, it is you know, a pretty extreme result. Having right, said if that. Rashard, if Rashard Higgins had fumbled that ball out in front of the pylon instead yeah. of behind it, it would have been Brown's ball on the on the one-inch line. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing that that strikes. I mean, I don't really mind the penalty, but that's the thing that stri- strikes me as a little, uh, um, you know, harsh as far as what the the result is of the play. If it goes out of the end zone, whoever touches it last should get it. What if on they the, on the on what the one yard line on the one yard line? Yep. But milk makes a great point. I mean, you could have guys kind of like being at the nine and coughing it up and, and ending up being out of the two and advancing the ball seven yards and getting, I think it what would make it inside rule, the five or make a rule change and say, look, we're not going to turn over possession, but now you've got the ball back at the 30. But, but back to the, to the hit though. I mean, isn't that just, I, I mean, to me, I watched that play and that is a great football play. I mean, that guy's going into the end zone and, and the, the, the defender comes over and lays the wood on him and knocks the ball loose and changes the course of the game. I mean, that is a hell of a football play if you're asking me. And, and I, I I'm seeing the reactions here that, that some people think that that's a, that's a 15 yard penalty. Instead, Not some people, the entire NFL, it just wasn't called. Well, that, okay. That's the rule. That's the rule, but it's, it's a crappy rule, right? I mean, that's, that's a, just a hard nose play. It's not a defenseless receiver I, sort of situation. It's just a hard. He could have hit him in his shoulder. He hit him in the head. And because he hit him in the head, he snapped his neck and he dropped the football and they got rewarded by the touchback rule. I, I think the, I, I think the league has just made a policy decision that we don't want to have any more stars winding up like Mike Webster killing himself at the basin of the Grand Canyon anymore because they have permanent brain damage. I mean, they're just taking brain injury seriously. And if you're going to make that policy decision, you have to enforce the rule. Either you enforce it or you don't. But if you don't enforce it, then leading with the head won't stop. I, I do agree that you have to be consistent with the policy. I mean, if if your objective is to make the game safer, and I do think you'd do need to make the game safer. I mean, I would like to watch football for the next 30 years and not, you know, and have kids coming up playing it because there's a lot of kids that won't play it anymore because the safety issues. So if you're going to increase safety in the game, you have to make it across the board. Now that said, it's a real interesting notion as to whether or not you should be able to review something that should be a penalty. It's one thing to say, is it a fumble? Is it, but you know, that was the whole, you know, um, controversy with interference. Should you be able to review penalty plays? And this is a, this play is a perfect example of why the popularly talked about solution doesn't work. And that, and that solution is, well, you don't have to review it in real time. Just if it's called targeting, give them the penalty and then later throw them out. Well, on a play like this, you need to know right away if whether it's targeting. Right. Well, if, if this play had been, you know, Alabama and Ohio State, then what what would have happened, guys? They would have got buzzed down from the booth saying that they need to take a look at that, even if no foul had been called on the play, and they would have looked at it and they would have called targeting, and the guy would have been thrown out. So I think college, and you know, it's got some imperfections, but I think college review on targeting is much more consistent with what the policy is they're trying to enforce. Pope, do you think the guy, the, are you okay with the kid getting thrown out of a game though for that? Absolutely. Wow. That's, I mean, that that's harsh for considering how how fast. 
If there's but, no penalty, then how else are you going to have a deterrent? Well, well, you can, you can give a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. Get a 15-yard penalty for a personal foul, you know, chop block. I mean, come on. Well, that's the argument, though, is maybe you enforce the penalty immediately if that's the call, and then you review the actual hit and have some sort of a determination whether it was flagrant. If it was flagrant, they're out without a warning. If it's not flagrant, give them one warning, then the next one they're out. I think football needs to borrow from football and have a yellow card and red card system. I mean, I, I, that, I think they could do that. I think there could be a warning, you know, that it comes along with a 15 yard penalty. And that if you have that occur in two consecutive games, you're out. If you have that occur twice in the same game, you're out. And I do think that you, you could have a situation that if a play was so egregious, you could red card them right there. Yes, it's subjective, but if the play was so egregious, you could throw them out right there and the 15 yard penalty. But I do agree with Bison here that it's a shame when you're making a hard-nosed play that goes very fast to be tossed out of a game. I do think there should be penalty. They do need to make the game safer. But one thing I'd like to see college football do is, after all, these these kids are kids that are being used. They're not being paid. Like, at least let them play in the game. Milk? Well, the, my problem with the rule is that how many times do you see a guy going in for a tackle, not going, not going for the other guy's helmet, and then the running back or whatever lowers his head down or something like that, and it's completely unintentional, and then that guy gets flagged for some sort of targeting helmet to helmet. The Browns the game. Rule, the, rule, the rule is not specific to the defender. They just don't enforce it against offensive players. Sure, need, but need right. To. But that's that's when it's completely when you can tell that the guy's not trying to target. In the Browns game yesterday, I felt like, and I'm a, and I hate this rule, but I was sitting there going, okay, that that might have been avoidable. He could have gone in a different angle. He was coming at him from the side, but these straight on hits when they're going in, and then the guy lowers his head, and it's completely unintentional, and he gets flagged. Yeah, like Derrick Henry, he uses it's, his head as a battering crap. ram. The rule. The rule is if you're if you're using the crown of your head to attack another player, that's. It doesn't say if you're times they're not player initiating a tackle. It says if you're if you're attacking. That's that's Derrick Henry. You're right. So it's, it's, it's inconsistently called on offense. No question. Right. So something to think about here too, though. You know, because everybody's you know acting like these these penalties are there to make the game safer. But I mean, I think a lot of the science and a lot of the evidence shows that it's not one or two big hits that causes CTE. It's the constant. This is why you have all the linemen are the ones who, who developed the CTE. It's the constant cracking of your heads against each other, even in short distances. So these, you know, we, we talk about NCA, the NFL, they all talk about uh, uh, wanting to be, uh, there to protect the players and player safety. But in reality, this this whole rule on targeting and helmet to helmet, it's just there for cover. It's just there to make themselves look better to the public because the the, the long-term brain injuries are coming from the constant collisions between players, not one or two big hits that somebody gets every season. But the well, targeting you- rule is not just to eliminate helmet to helmet. It's a, It's specifically designed to eliminate using your helmet as a weapon 
And so don't forget that when Jack Tatum paralyzed Daryl Stingley, that was a legal hit. He hit him right in the middle of the spine and paralyzed him. And the, and the league eventually came around to saying, we want to stop that. And so but, this uh, is the only way to do it. Uh, Bison, are you saying that the nature of the game is a hard-hitting game and that using the helmet and even targeting because of the speed of the game should not result in a penalty or an ejection. No, no, no. Look, there's a difference to me. So targeting to me implies an intent to injure, all right? An intent to, to, you know, to hurt someone. I think the way it's getting called, particularly in college, is in a lot of plays that happen very fast. A guy goes in to make a hard clean hit but a hard football hit and because of the speed and the reaction of either the receiver or the running back somebody moves a different way yeah. and what wasn't intended to be helmet to helmet turns out to be helmet right to helmet. that's that's legitimate and that's why i like toby's suggestion yeah that maybe there needs to be some subjective review here because if you come in like you know the, let's face it everybody's taught to tackle with their head up like this if you come in to do that and the defensive player lowers I mean, the, the running back lowers his head and is going to ram you, then you need to get lower. And that's, you that's might hit him in the head, or you might actually be the recipient of the head to head blow. But because you're on defense, they're going to call it on you every time. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually really, really endorse House's idea of the yellow card, red card. It really pains me to yeah, have to go course. along with you on this, but it's a really good idea. So hug let's it out. Move, let's hug let's it move out. away from the well, NFL last, in last a second. Point. Do, you, do you think the NFL should have the college system where the booth can buzz in and say, you missed it in real time, but that was a potential target. We need to take a look at it. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, are you going to do that with every play then? Well, no, but I mean, targeting is the main one that they do because that would have made a difference in that football game in the Browns game. I don't know. I don't know. I vote no. But no, before no, no, before no. we run away from the NFL, I do want we do have one of our fellow SMQBs here whose team is playing to go to the Super Bowl this coming week. And Thank I just you. think we should go around and say what chance do we think the Bucks have at Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers? Uh Pope, you're up first. Percentage chance. I say it's 50-50. I you know, I, I have underestimated Tom Brady to my detriment for 20 years, and I do not put it past him to go in there. And even if it's snowing, because he's very comfortable playing in a snow game, more so than any other quarterback uh, for that game. And I 50-50, man, but I, sh- I actually I say 51-49. I think Tommy's going all the way. Whoa, rooster. Wow. wow. Um, Milk, congratulations, partner. I'm with you Thanks, all the buddy. way. I think, I've, I think the Bucks are going to take it. Uh, and I'm very confident in that, especially if they let Brady call the plays because Bruce Arians is a fucking moron when it comes to play calling in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm giving. I, I, I want to hear. I want to hear House last on this one. I'm giving this a 0.00 percent chance that the Bucks win this game in Green Bay. Wow. Interesting. House, you're, you you have at it. Tom. Uh, so let me just say this. Aaron Rodgers is not only going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he is going into the Orthopedic Hall of Fame because he is a surgeon. The guy is the most surgical quarterback of all time. And the only reason the Bucs took them down this year 
was because Rodgers had a one-off outlier day. The Bucks had a great defensive day. I put this at about 75-25 with 75 to Green Bay, and the only 25 is if Rodgers gets hurt. Devontae Adams is right now playing like the best wide receiver. They've got two running backs. Do not fall asleep on this new kid, Dylan, A.J. Dillon. Great new rookie running back. They've got a great backfield. They're a little banged up with their left tackle being out, but I like the Packers, and I can't wait to see Tom sitting on the field again with his head in his hands. So, oh, Bucks. Milk, what time's the game? 3.05. Let me just time, say this. What time do you start drinking? Uh, right now? That's Tuesday. He hasn't stopped <laughs> drinking. It's yeah. going to be hard to focus this week. Um, so there was a – I don't think the game earlier this year was a fluke. Now, I will say this. Devontae Adams did not play in that game, and that should be noted. Um, oh, it is. However, I was much more concerned about the Saints game than the Packers game. Psychologic, psychologically, there were issues. They beat us five times in a row. Um, but I think we match up better with the Packers than the Saints. Wow. I think the Packers' offensive line is much worse than the Saints' offensive line. I think we got to Rodgers in the first game. I think we can get to him again. Um, and so I you're saying 100% chance you're winning? No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not saying that at all. No way. But I'm saying that we have a very good chance, and I don't think it's going to be like go up there and some sort of blowout. Our defense wow. is playing. Do, you, what, do, do we think that the Packers' defensive backfield has the ability to guard three number one wide receivers and Gronkowski? They're, they're suspect. They're, I mean, they've, they've given up some points this year. Yep. Well, congratulations, Mel. All, right. All right, that'll be fun. That'll be can't wait to get back next week and talk about this one. I didn't say I didn't I think 0. 0.00 is a little uh it's a little bit of a strike. So so we we got to and I know Milk you're not going to have anything to add to this segment. Sorry, buddy, but we do have to spend a second on the NBA because there was like a massive massive trade, like superstar trade that went down. And I I mean, you know, you have James Harden who, you know, sort of forced his way out of Houston. I mean, they bring in John Wall. They they try to do some things for the guy. You know, a couple of years ago, what he he wanted uh, uh, Chris Paul. They got Chris Paul for him. Then they, they didn't like Chris Paul, so he got rid of Chris Paul. They bring in Westbrook. They have Westbrook. He doesn't like Westbrook. Now they bring in Wall. And, and the guy just forces his way out. You're starting to see reports now that him and Durant we're talking months ago about linking up again and getting a chance to, to reunite after their times in OKC is James Harden, just a dick or, or what, what's going on here? Rooster. Don't forget. He also got the great Kevin McHale fired. Uh, oh, he, yeah. he is a dick, but let's face it. Houston created this monster and they they have no one to blame, but themselves. You know, I, I believe a deal is a deal and players shouldn't be trying to renege on deals in most instances. Now, there are exceptions, like a player who's just in a really bad situation and is way overperforming the contract or the team just refuses to try to win. But Harden didn't have that. Harden had a, a team that was basically saying, whatever you want, whatever you want, James, you do. You want to play? 
you, if we're playing in LA and you want to force us to spend an extra night here so you can party all night long, we'll do that. You want to, you want to skip a practice so you can fly to Vegas and party for an extra day or two. That's all right. You do that because we know you're going to come back and score 50 and get a triple double. The problem with that is that it kills the team morale and the, and the, and they, they never go anywhere in the playoffs. When has James Harden ever done a damn thing in the playoffs? And his team isn't behind him by that point because they're tired of his nonsense. He, I mean, we heard Russell Westbrook's comments when he went over uh, uh, to to the uh, Wizards. Harden never shows up on time for a meeting. He never does this. He never does that. You know, um, he runs. He acts like he's the de facto GM and runs out uh, Chris Paul. He ran out. Uh, Howard too, who had a great year the next year with the Lakers. And he, he just doesn't give a damn about his teammates or the team, but the team created that monster. So they're both dicks. Hey, and I don't Pope, feel at all sorry for Houston. Pope jump in here, but first tell Patrick who James Harden is. Cause he's probably <laughs> not really clear on this. <laughs> James Harden is the overweight triple double MVP machine who now resides in Brooklyn. The thing about Harden in Brooklyn is an interesting experiment because my boy Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki's little buddy and two-time MVP, is his first-time coach in Brooklyn, and they are betting that Nash is going to provide the leadership in the locker room to prevent Harden from being a cancer. Now, you have Kevin Durant, who Harden played with back at the Oklahoma City days, and they're very familiar with each other. But you've got Kyrie Irving, another well-known malignant Cancer that's not playing right now, he's on personal leave for the sixth game in a row. If, and this is a big if, if Nash has the right chemistry working with Durant, Harden, who's playing now, he had a triple-double last night, you know, he's shed himself of weight probably as we're talking, and and uh, a Kyrie Irving, those guys can make a run at the East. They really can. So, you know, Brooklyn is all in. Four number ones for James Harden. I mean, kind of reminds me of when Dallas did two number ones for Joey Galloway. What a bust that was that put the franchise back for years. Let me just let me just remind you, though, that Harden also used to play with Russell Westbrook. And look where that got him. Westbrook, Those are two Westbrook couldn't stand to be with him another day in Houston because Westbrook is a show-up-on-time, bust-his-ass kind of guy. And when Harden was partying his ass off in Vegas before the start of the season this year, it was with the knowledge that the team has a brand new rookie coach. And that's what he's saddling his rookie coach with. What makes you think he's going to give a damn about Steve Nash? Steve Nash just, is a different breed. Like I'm telling you. Change. They don't change. And, and I'll just say James Harden isn't a dick for – what he did off the court relative to the trade. James Harden is a dick for what he does on the court, which is be a one-way player that doesn't give a damn about playing defense. And frankly, as a fellow Eastern Conference rival with the Sixers, I'm not that worried about the Nets because ultimately I don't think they can play defense in the playoffs with that team. I really don't. And, and, and part of the thing is, you know, Harden – the reason why he doesn't show up in the playoffs is because he, he plays one way. He wants every ball in his hands. Yes, he is one of the best pure shooters in NBA history. Yes, he's foul. a 
He's a triple-double scoring machine. He's a step-back three dagger, but he does not play a lick of defense, and he'll never win a championship because of it. And how's Kyrie Irving going to play with a guy who won't give the ball up? Well, Kyrie doesn't even want to play, so that, that might not even matter. It's well, a big gamble. Guys, It's it, they're gambling the franchise. Uh, it's a big gamble on a guy who doesn't have a reputation for being a team player who can take him to the to the championship. Bill, basketball party in New York. Basketball is a sport played with a, a round ball that you bounce on a hardwood floor. You you're probably not familiar. Well, maybe you Wait. are. You have a team. You have a borrowed team this year. Yeah, you got the you got the Raptors in Tampa. We do, and I uh, I don't even know if they have fans. I thought about fans Florida. in Florida. You guys can do whatever the hell you want to. Hey now. <laughs> no, no fans in our hockey. Florida is open fans. for business. All right, let's wrap up the episode. Rooster, it's you're up this week, the inaugural punchable face of the week. Who are your nominees? And then we're gonna we're gonna go around and uh and see uh what the what everyone else thinks of your nominees. So punchable face of the week. All right. Hold on one second here, fellas. Is this just this week or overall? Well, it's anybody he wants it to be. It's his okay. week. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're not allowed to talk politics, I'm not going to talk about the person I should re- tell our visitors that we're, we're having a dry January. Yes. but I'd like to punch a dry January in the face. I'm going <laughs> to start with a guy who, sorry. Yourself? You keep putting yourself up. For our listeners, I'm gonna st- I'm um, gonna start with a guy who, for the last twenty something years, every week would be my punchable face of the week, and that's this fat bastard, James Dolan. James Dolan took over <laughs> the grand jewel of the NBA, the New York Knicks. They had the most well-known basketball arena. They had. They were, they still are the highest valued team in the NBA. They had 13 straight years of playoff appearances until 2000 when this guy took over. And since 2000, they've continued to have the highest payroll and high luxury taxes, but they have a 0.416 winning percentage. Hmm. James Dolan is a cancer on the greatest basketball team ever. And frankly, the NBA needs the Knicks. The NBA needs the Knicks to be good. They just do. And this guy has to go. He is like the Dan Snyder of the NBA. The two of them Los, are the Los Angeles Lakers. Worst. Hey, Knicks, hold my beer. Yeah. Now, does he, uh, Rooster? Does he have a, a GM that makes decisions? He has. Or? He has had since 2000. He's had 14 coaches and almost as many GMs, including. Isaiah Thomas, whose only whose only achievement was to get the team sued for a hostile sexual environment. Um, he keeps hiring idiots. Mm. Phil Jackson, who for, for whatever reason had already checked out mentally by then. Right. He is, he's so bad that he has the culture on this team is so bad that no free agent of, of any value would consider going there right now. Imagine that. A high-profile free agent doesn't want to go to New York City. That's Brooklyn's a hotter, a hotter environment. Unheard of. It's insane. And his 
his response is to show up every night and sit in the front row there and kick the fans out who dare to tell him you should sell the team, including looks, celebrities, including he, our main man, the Oak. He kicks him out, him. has him arrested. He looks he like he would Michael benefit Rappaport. from a dry January. <laughs> <laughs> the guy on the right doesn't seem to give a shit either. No, he doesn't I seem think that's probably his ugly son. <laughs> Are you have any other? That's the worst. But here, I'll tell you this, and Milk, I'm sorry, dude, not trying to be political, but this sports figure gets the worst sports person of the week, deserves to be punched in the face this week, and that's this dude, Cleet Keller. No. No. Who is that? Fucking Cleet Keller. He's Ah. a three-time swimmer. He's a gold medalist. And he sh- and he showed up on January the sixth in his damn Olympic jacket with USA plastered all over the back and tried to overthrow our government and fought the police in the Capitol Rotunda. Cleet Keller, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for that one. Any any arguments with either of those? No. Um, in fact, I, listen. I just need that's James. A mic I need drop on that. Yeah, and listen. Is. As a again, as a Sixers fan, I need James Dolan to hang around, stay in that front row as long <laughs> as possible. He has destroyed that franchise. It's uh, done. A I mean, nightmare. Think about the think about when they talk about tanking. They're tanking to get Zion, then they don't get him, and so they trade Kristoff, uh, uh, Porzingis, and wind up. I mean, nothing they do ever works out. Everything we gave you a bunch wrong. of spares for PK. Oh, how so about far so- how about the uh, how about the Mello ordeal? They could have waited to the end of the year to get Carmelo Anthony as a free agent. Instead, they traded away like three top draft picks for him to get him, you know, like a two weeks earlier. Just makes no sense. So, do we have a unanimous endorsement of both of his punchable faces of the week? I'm with unanimous. the punch. I amen. I, we could keep going, but Mike, I'm, I'm afraid of what you'll do to your personal health if you if you keep talking about uh, Dolan. So let's end it there. I mean, who else this week deserves a punch in the world of sports? Those are those are two two leading candidates. Let's end it I there. Think, great job, about, fellas. How about, uh, see you. How about Good career, job, everyone. How about a nod to the career of Drew Brees? Absolutely. That's a good way. We'll sign off with a nod to the career class, of Drew Brees. Class individual all the way. The Prince of New Orleans. Well done, Drew Brees. The only thing he did wrong yesterday was tell Jameis Winston that it was his team now, because I assure you it's not Jameis Winston's team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and you saw Jameis's reaction to that. He's, that that's he, for another podcast. Jameis yeah. was, he was shocked. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be here next year. <laughs> I heard they're going to trade him back to the Bucks. Right. <laughs> All right, cheers, everybody. Have a good week. See you All next right. week. Good cheese. See you. Later. See Happy ya. inauguration.
the sky.